Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. This episode is going to be about how we as parents have been dealing with Joey's relapse. And you'll hear a bit of an update about how Joey is doing. But first, let's introduce ourselves in case you're a new listener. I am Beth Stuyvesant, a mom of a 17-year-old son, Joey, who has been dealing with drug addiction, depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation for several years. I'm walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. And I am Jan Maybe, Beth's wife and Joey's other mom. Beth is usually the one talking with Joey on these episodes, but you can hear my story on episode four about nicotine, episode six, Joey's Relapse, and Episode 9, Stimulants. The three of us have been through many highs and lows, and we are committed to supporting each other no matter what. Please note that this episode contains some swear words, descriptions of drug use, and mentions of suicide attempts, and may not be appropriate for sensitive listeners or younger children. So, Jan and I are here tonight to just talk about relapse. Joey relapsed six weeks ago, and we've stayed in touch with him, and I've seen him several times, but he's been at his dad's the whole time. He started off saying, okay, mom, I'm just going to use nicotine or just going to use weed and just a little bit, and I'm going to prove to myself that I can just stay with just a little bit. And then he admitted he started drinking. And then things just have started to escalate, which they do. When you have an addiction, it's very easy for things to just go farther than you think they're going to go. So Beth, you are the one that normally does the talking with Joey on the phone. Um, He calls you. I think that's his kind of way to reach out. What do you think? Yeah, I made a really intentional effort to stay connected with him, even though he's doing really stupid, shitty stuff. And it's very, very upsetting to us. It's extremely dangerous, the things he's doing. Um, You know, I'm super not pleased. But I, my main priority is to stay connected to this kid. And for him to know that we love him no matter what, and that we will be stable and steady and be here for him. So that's what we've tried to do. We have moved on not moved on, like he's gone or something, but we have continued our lovely lives uh, since he's been gone. We've focused on ourselves and um, Jan got a great promotion since he left. And uh, I've been making some other work choices that are going to balance our life out a little bit more. And so we want to show Joey what life can look like stable. And we want him to know that we are here for him and we are not falling apart just because he is. Yeah. It's, um, you know, the thing with Joey, it's been kind of a rocky road for him, uh, going back and forth between our house and his dad's house. Um, I think we've always been kind of the stable family. Uh, you know, we have our set rules, we have certain things we do, we have horses and dogs. And, and so we have chores that we do every day, twice a day. And, um, he has learned how to build things, work on cars and, and actually just kind of function in life when he's with us. Um, and so I think that he knows that's there and he knows that whenever he wants, he can always reach out 
and that the stability is there. Um, you talked to him the other night and he let you know that there was a, a, a baseball player's parent who apparently his dad met who reached out to Joey and he's in his own uh, recovery and he was willing to be Joey's sponsor and kind of give him some guidance, but um, that kind of, what, less than 24 hours, it kind of fell through. And- but I think what was the issue with that is that it was his dad's idea and this nice man volunteered, but it was not Joey's idea. So I don't think Joey was ready. And so when it was time for him to meet this guy at night to go to a 12-step meeting, instead, Joey went out with his friends. Uh, I'm sure they were using some sort of substance. And then they got caught trying to steal alcohol. The police were called out. And so the police were holding him and then called his dad. We didn't freak out. We're like, all right, this is sort of the logical next step. I've told Joey many times, one of these times you still, you're going to get caught and you're going to go to jail and then you're going to be in the justice system and see how that works. And, you know, maybe it'll be what he needs to turn around. Sometimes I wish somebody would, you know, take him in, put him in jail for overnight or a couple of days or whatever. I think the the thing with uh, Joey right now being 17, two weeks away from 18, but 17 years old and and uh, he's in California and they kind of don't lean towards grabbing kids and throwing them in jail for for stealing. And they especially if they haven't caught them on multiple occasions, they, they may not believe that they uh, really have an issue. I know that um, before we've called the police, hoping they would give us some help. And, and when they ask what substances that he's using, you know, marijuana. Oh, that's no big deal. They just brush it off. Yeah. If he's not, you know, shooting heroin there, they have no time for it. What I wish would have happened and I wish this would happen. And maybe with restructuring of police departments, this might be the future. Okay. So a store calls say, Hey, these rotten kids just tried to steal alcohol. Then a social worker goes out and says, okay, what the hell's going on with kids that are, you know, in, in their middle teens stealing, what is going on in their life that they think that that's their solution? Are they addicted? We need to get them help with their addiction. Are they, uh, are there problems at home? Do we need CPS to get involved? Are there, you know, what is going on instead of just saying, all right, just go back home to the same house that you came from to go do this, this act. It seems like Somebody needs to come in and I'm not talking about ripping him out of the house for it, but maybe some support systems need to be put in place when you have kids acting out like that. I know Joey, when he talked about, I think it was on the alcohol episode, he talked about wishing somebody would catch him, wishing that somebody would care enough that he was stealing, that somebody would catch him. He's kind of disappointed that he can just walk around and nobody cares. He was a little bit angry about it when he called you know, Beth, um, his dad picked him up and, and he called Beth to tell her what was going on. And, and, uh, he wasn't quite in the right frame of mind. Yeah. We think he was inebriated still. Mm -hmm. Um, so we didn't talk very long. I don't talk to him when he's inebriated, but, um, I mean, I'll talk, I'll talk to him and say, hello, is there anything you need immediately? But otherwise I'm like, call me later when you're feeling better. Mm -hmm. But I was pleased that he called us though. Right. I mean, I know he was ashamed and angry at himself mostly, and I'm sure that was no fun to call 
But I hope that he knows that we're not going to just slam him and shame him even more because this kid is just drowning in shame already. Mm -hmm. So it's important to me that he knows that he can still come to us. Well, that reminds me of the song. This morning at church, uh, if you don't know, I'm a music director at a church and we sang the song with a text by the Sufi poet Rumi. And it goes like this. Come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving. Ours is no caravan of despair. Come, yet again, come. Though we've broken our vows a thousand times. Though we've broken our vows a thousand times. And it goes on like around. And uh, it's a beautiful song. And we sing it all the time. But it made me think about Joey, lover of leaving. Criminy, he leaves everything. He's a uh, f- uh, flight response is incredibly uh, active. He's a wanderer, wondering where he's what's next what's going on and he's broken his vows a thousand times as we all have as we all have i mean how if you've ever been on diet how many times have you broken your diet even though you say okay okay this time i'm gonna do it it's just it's just humans we are you know not perfect and we have uh, you know underlying issues but we still want him to come to us when he's in trouble, when he's feeling fragile, when he's feeling good, we want him to come to us. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different than the tough love. And I, I know where the tough love thing is coming from. I get that. The boundaries, we are super interested in boundaries. We have set really, really strong boundaries with him. And we have not wavered at all with those boundaries. But it, we are not uh, shutting him out or telling him, call us when you're sober. We want him to call us whenever he needs us. And we, we are there to listen to him and to help him troubleshoot and get resources. And then when he does decide to become sober, then he knows we're a safe place to land when he needs to figure out where to go from here. So one of the things, um, I'd like you to kind of explain is I know that we want him to call. We want him to call you. Um, you are his his safe place, his safe home. Mm-hmm. If we don't hear from him for a certain amount of time, I mean, how do you feel, Beth? Oh, I get very worried and anxious. I, I'm really working on it because worry and anxiety does not help anything. It just makes everything worse. I try to just... Uh, Actually, I just try to picture him just smoking weed and uh, being lazy and eating Cheetos. <laughs> and because out of all the things he could be doing, that's probably the least harmful, although I still don't like him using weed. But it's very easy for me to think about him using 48 Benadryl again or psychedelics again or any of the number of things he's done. He's tried to kill himself many, many times, and it's terrifying. And that just hovers. So, but you know what, he, he could overdose or kill himself at any moment of any day. He could get in the car and have a car accident and die. We just have no guarantees in life. And if we constantly thought about, oh my gosh, he could die. Well, then we would never be able to live. So 
when I don't hear from him for several days, I do get antsy and anxious. And I'm always relieved when he does call. And he tries to call more often. But I think when he goes down the spiral, then he just doesn't want to talk. He, he He's ashamed. And um, what is there to say, you know? So, yeah. So I, I, I tell you, I was proud of him for calling last night. Um, he did try to tell you he was going to go home and go to bed. But, you know, something in the back of my head kept saying, no, Beth, he's going to come home, go into his room and sneak out. And of course, he he, he did. He did. <laughs> yeah, he called a couple hours later. And uh, I don't know if he has to sneak out. I think the door is just pretty much open. He can just do whatever he wants there. But he he ran down to, to Del Taco, which probably means he was doing weed because doesn't Del Taco only taste good if you're on weed? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, he on his way back, he witnessed a really bad accident. Right. A drunk lady ran into a car full of kids. And one of the people had a broken leg. Joey was the one that called 911. And it, it sounded like it kind of traumatized him. Mm-hmm. But I think it was more than just witnessing the accident. It was the... A proximity to his run-in with alcohol and probably he was still drunk or high or whatever. And oh my God, that could be me right? being right. that drunk driver. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's yeah. scary. It did traumatize him. You could hear it in his voice. Definitely. Yeah. It, it was, it, it was like, wow, the universe is sending me a message or something. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. he was, yeah, he was pretty upset by that. Right. So, and then today we were supposed to take him to the pumpkin patch. Yeah. We weren't sure if, if he was going to be able to go or if he would even answer the phone. We didn't know. We just said, well, we'll just go out for lunch if he doesn't want to go with us. But so we called him after church and at first he said, okay, what time? And then he called and said, oh, mom, I can't. I can't go out. I'm like, really? Oh, okay. You have other plans? He goes, no, mom, I'm not in good shape. And he said, I'm inebriated and I, I just can't be out anywhere right now, which really bummed me out because he, he usually looks forward to us going out and he usually saves those days to be sober. He's very intentional about, okay, I know mom and dad are going to come and we're going to go do this fun thing that I asked to do. So I'm going to stay sober so I can do it. But uh, not today. So I think it was a lot last night was two really big things in one, one night. And it was a lot. So, uh, I told him to call me when he was feeling better, AKA soberish. <laughs> it, Cause it does no good to talk to him inebriated. He won't remember anything. And just, I have no idea, you know, if it's true or whatever. Didn't he just tell you that he had just smoked? Some weed oh yeah. He had just smoked weed. Yeah. So I appreciated his honesty. And I told him that I said, well, I'm glad you told us. So we didn't drive over there and have a bad experience or, you know, I, I feel good about that, that he's able to tell us and he knows that we won't flip out on him. And I guess that's a message I want to give to parents. When you flip out on them, it doesn't help anything. It makes everything worse. They're already upset at themselves, even if they're not even if they're acting all cool and like, oh, I'm, I'm all that. They're already upset. Obviously they're upset and hurting to do whatever stupid thing they just did. So heaping on shame or, uh, you know, a large amount of disappointment and, oh, Joey, it, it doesn't help. 
it's not that we are not disappointed at all. We are very disappointed and scared mostly, but that hopefully he will keep trying because he knows that somebody is in his corner. Yeah. Some, sometimes you just have to have someone holding out hope. Mm -hmm. So this morning, a friend of mine asked how Joey was doing. I said, Oof, not doing good. He's spiraling. And he got caught last night trying to steal alcohol. The police were involved. Yeah, not going well. And what she said in return is, is probably true, but it, it, it really stung. And I think it, I think that there's a different way to frame it. She, she came back and said, Joey, you're losing your credibility with the podcast because he's not doing what he himself says to do. So in one way, yeah, he knows what to do, but he's not doing it. Which how many of us do that in our lives? You know what the right thing to do, but you don't do it. So, and just unfortunately in his case, the, the alternative is dangerous and illegal and uh, fraught with chaos. It's more than just like eating cake instead of fruit for dessert. But I think that what Joey says and what Joey does, whether sober or whether relapsed, is, is valid. And I think if we listen more to our kids, even when they're in relapse, in fact, we are planning to have a pod with him. We were supposed to do it this week, and he uh, he bailed on that, which kind of was the first indication that he was kind of spiraling because he was excited about it. And we said, okay, but you have to be sober, obviously. I mean, sober like while speaking, not sober forever. But we wanted to talk about relapse. He wanted to talk about relapse. And I think that it's really important for people to hear, for people to hear that he's still a kid. He's still there. He still has feelings. He's still, you know, and out of everyone, he's the most disappointed with himself out of everyone. And, you know, as, as painful as this is for Jan and me, we try to think how painful must it be to live inside his body right now and his mind to that is so full of chaos and pain that he thinks stealing alcohol is a good idea. He has such a heart for helping other people. He wants this pain that he's going through to matter to somebody, to help somebody else, to help another family not go down the same path, to help another family. So that's why Jan and I are on here tonight to say, listen, if your kid relapses or if they aren't doing everything great, perfect all the time, just try to stay in communications, try to stay in a positive relationship with them with really strong boundaries. And uh, we're just hoping that he can just stay alive long enough to, to come back again and get sober again. But relapse is very extremely common with anyone in an addiction. If you think about dieting again, I mean, how many people have ever gone off a diet? A million, million people, a million times, right? So addictions are addictions because they're really hard to stop. Right. So one, one thing you have to realize with uh, relapse is you cannot take it personal. He's not relapsing to hurt anybody else. 
he's relapsing to hurt himself. And a lot of times that's what we do as parents is we stop and think, what did I do wrong? What could I have done? What would I have changed to keep them from using? And it's nothing that you've done, nothing that, you know, you can change. You can't put them in a box, yeah. you know, and protect them from the rest of the world. It, it just doesn't work like that. So Yeah, there's nothing we can do or say. I wish I had some magic words to say and he would be fixed up, but there's nothing we can do except for be a positive relationship in his life. And, you know, one thing too, and, and Beth and I, I don't know if you've talked a little bit about with Heather and stuff is that we had to learn to focus on ourselves mm-hmm. and not focus on Joey, you know, and try to keep ourselves going forward positively. And it, it, it's not an easy road and it, it's a very tough, hard toll that it takes on us. Yeah, it is tough. And it's, it's hard to focus on ourselves because it seems like there must be something we could do for Joey, but we've gotten to the point after chasing him around since February of 2019 uh, with this, there's nothing we can do except be there for him, provide resources when he's ready. That's it. That's all. And it seems totally helpless. <laughs> it's terrible sometimes. It's just, ugh. There's got to be something I could do, but I promise you, I've tried everything. I've checked every box. I tried everything. And he and many, many other addicted people and formerly addicted people have told us there's nothing you can do. They have to want it. They have to want to be sober. So at that point, once you realize that, then okay, parents, then you take care of yourselves. You become the stable, safe home that they will want to come back to. Right. Right. So, you know, um, I know that it sounds backwards to not want to grab your kid, to hide your kid, to protect your kid, to, to do this and do that. It sounds backwards, but it really isn't. Um, you have to realize that once they get into the addiction and the full force of that addiction, they have a tendency to try to drag you with them. And it's not on purpose. It's just a spiral. And what happens is it's like when they start falling into that abyss, you start tumbling right down with them. Mm -hmm. So focusing on yourself is actually building a platform for them to be able to reach up and try to become sober, try to, to know that, Hey, there's a solid rock somewhere you know, I, I, I'm not just going to go into this abyss and, and everybody's going to forget about me. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's going to be the end of my life. Or they're so angry. They don't ever want to see me again. Correct. So, you know, and that that's happened. Um, and, and it doesn't even mean matter for addiction. I mean, it could be for anything where, you know, the parents are so focused on their child and fixing them. You can't fix them. That's one thing. You cannot fix them. The only thing you can fix is yourself. And that's with any relationship. When you're in a relationship with somebody else and things are not going right, you know, you cannot change them. So don't try to change them. Learn what it is you have to do to make yourself happy. And trust me, happiness begets happiness. 
So you'll be drawing that towards you. And he or your child, whoever, will start looking for that because that's comfort. They know that they're living in chaos. They're comfortable in the chaos, but that's not really what they want. Yeah, what they're looking for is connection. What they're looking for is connection. The opposite of addiction is connection. That's what they're really seeking. And I think even other very common teenage behaviors of, you know, rebellious things, acting out, even cutting, you know, sassing and, and disobeying parents and uh, coming in late after curfew. It makes parents bananas, but they are asking for help. You're right. You know, have you ever seen a couple and they are fighting or they're having a bunch of miscommunication and you're on the outside and you can see it. You can totally see it. You're like, oh my gosh, if they would just stop what they're doing and make a little communication. Okay. And it's kind of like that. You need to bring yourself outside of that box so that you can see what they're doing. Because as long as you're inside that box, you can't see what's happening. Mm -hmm. Right. So you need to make yourself that third person, even though you're inside the box, you kind of have to step out. Yeah. Look from the outside. Yeah. And uh, work on yourselves and work on yourselves to maintain stability. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, the thing is you have to, you have to know that with addiction comes lying, comes stealing and it all, when you think it can't get any worse, you will surprise yourself. So try, try to bring yourself out of that center and try not to be surprised because they will do things they may or may not. And you would just wonder, wow, I wonder where that came from. Because when they were a child, they were never like that. They were such a good kid. They always wanted to please everyone. And, and when you see children that are like that, that always wanted to please other people that, that were always kind of the life of the party, there's something that they're hiding. There's something that's inside there. And when they get into that addictive state, that's how they are dealing with it because they don't know how to face it. Their pain. Yeah. I always used to think that we were just such great parents and Joey was just such a good kid until, you know, 13, 14, when he started using substances. So obviously that was not right. Uh, it turns out, I think he, as an adopted person, it's very common for adopted people to behave very well, at least up to a certain age until they can't stand it any longer because they don't want to get given away again. So Joey was always, it, he still is polite, helpful. You know, he's delightful when he's in a good space. But he was hiding a lot of pain that I was not smart enough to be aware of. I should have been aware of it. Well, you, you can't go back. Yeah, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah, it doesn't help to think about that, does it? Well, if I were to do it again, and that's why we're doing this podcast, if I were to do it again, I, I would have become much better read about adoption, for sure. I did not understand. I thought, all right, he's good. He's good to go. I had no idea about adoption trauma. And when Joey started having trouble, you know, a couple, you know, maybe 12, 13, we, we could have probably done more to figure out what's going on before it got bad. Maybe he was younger than that. 
Oh, you think he was younger? 11, 12? 10, 11. 10, 11. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, yeah, we missed some signs in the road. Uh, so that's why we want to help other people. Uh, Joey's birthday is coming up, which is always very difficult for him. It took us a long time to figure that out, but he always hated going out for his birthday. I'd be like, where do you want to go? What do you want to do for your par- party? He said, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> and so that's what he said again this year. But now I understand. Why would you want to celebrate the day you were given away or the day you were born that no one wanted you? I mean, that's not a happy day to celebrate. So I hope that after his birthday that he will come back around and want to be sober. But I have a feeling these next two weeks are going to be pretty rough. But it's it's a little bit of a roller coaster ride. And it's, you know, that's how life is. It's never going to be done. This ride of ours that we're on, it's never going to be done until we're all gone. So, but I'm sure glad you're doing this with me, Jan. This is, the, I mean, the life and the podcast, but uh, the life, this life, I don't, I don't think I could do this. I know I couldn't do it by myself. And I'm just grateful that you're on the same team as me and that we're, we're, primarily just care about joy and want him to be well. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we just have to keep staying positive and, and that's not always easy. It's not easy. It's, it's a tough road, but when we work on ourselves, we're pretty much working on Joey as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the best thing parents can do is work on themselves. So if you know of any parents of 10, 11, 12 year olds, would you please share this episode with them or our podcast? We really want to reach parents of kids that are not already deep into trouble. I mean, that's okay too, but I would prefer to find the parents. Like this is what I would have wished I could have heard when I was having a preteen and just scared of what's going to happen. And I don't know what, I don't know what this teenage thing is like. But some of the things that would be nice is some of the signs that we had. And I can remember one very, very vividly, one of the first things that Joey did was started closing his bedroom door. That was the number one thing. And then he would spend a long time in the bathroom. He would go in the bathroom and close the door and stay in there for a long time. Um, Those two things really, really stood out to me that something was up. And um, after he was put in the hospital, we went through his bedroom. Boy, were we shocked. Yeah, we a found a bunch of stuff. Armoretto and beer Vaping cans stuff, and yeah. all his vape pens. Yeah. And-, and I just chalked it up to, well, he's a teenager. He's probably masturbating. You know, I'm like, that's probably why he's shutting the door. And I, I always had a reason. Oh, it's probably this. It's probably that. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. My my son would never do that. My son would never do drugs. Right. <laughs> ah, oopsie. Yeah. Everybody's susceptible. Yeah. I can remember saying, Hey, wait a minute. He shouldn't be closing the door. He shouldn't be closing the door. There's something going on. And it wasn't like he would close it just to sleep. He would walk in his room and close the door behind him. And it was like, okay, there was something up. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. So just little signs. signs. And as if we think of things, you know, I think we should try and let people know, you Mm -hmm. know, these are some little signs you know, they, they don't mean anything by themselves, but when you start putting it all together, you know, they, they hide things, um, all of a sudden things would come up missing. 
You know, he would take things to his dad's and then he would sell it. Yeah, he was selling stuff. He was selling things. So a lot of things. He would, the only problem is, is he would blame that on his dad. Oh, my dad sold it. But that wasn't the case. Yeah, he sold it for drug money. Mm -hmm. But if, if we, if we had listened to our own podcasts when Joey was 10, 11, 12, and if he started shutting his door and spending a lot of time in the bathroom, what would we do now? Knowing what we know now. Well, you know, I think we would have knocked on the door and tried to keep that door open and uh, said, hey, you know, what's going on? Why are you in the bathroom so long? You know, what's going on? Yeah, a lot more asking questions, mm-hmm. curiosity, not yeah. not like to punish, not right. to say, what are you doing? But say, hey, I noticed you're in the bathroom an awfully long time. Is there anything you want to talk about? Is it a health issue? Is it what what's going on? And just just let him know that we notice. And what can we help you with going at it with what, how can we help you instead of what's wrong with you? (laughs) You know, I I think one other thing would be is to maybe set him down and say, instead of, you know, what can we help you with? Is there something bothering you? You know, is there something deep, you know, you, you feel you can't talk to me. We can find someone that you can talk to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you can find someone that they feel confident talking to that they can actually open up. So the thing is, though, to figure out what's underlying and what was underlying for Joey, he's getting bullied every single day right? by his own baseball teammates, by everyone at school, by Mm -hmm. teachers, for crying out loud. Right. But we didn't know because we weren't in good communication with him at that point. We weren't like being available and open for him to talk to. It's funny because we thought we were. I know. We thought we were like really progressive parents. (laughs) We thought we were this open parents. He could tell us anything. And I can remember when he would tell Beth different things. Like he had a girlfriend. I thought, oh gosh, look at, he talks to Beth, you know, Mm -hmm. he talks to his mom. He he tells her about girlfriends or whatever, but it's not the deep talking. It's the deep talking that you need to open up. And, and the younger they are, the, the easier it is to get them to do that deep feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, how are you feeling? How are you really feeling? Mm -hmm. I would assume if you're a kid that's struggling, you would not want the spotlight on you all the time. (laughs) You know, maybe sometimes we should talk about ourselves or, you know, the weather or something innocuous. It doesn't always have to be what drugs are you using? How are you about wanting to use drugs? You know, what are you feeling for? You know, it doesn't have to always be about that. It can just be about you know, how, how are you? How are you feeling? Right. Well, I think that, I think we did it. We talked about Joey's relapse that is continuing and we don't know how this story is going to end and we hope it ends well, but no one ever knows, do they? Right. That's right. Thank you all for your support along the way. Um, we appreciate everyone listening to the podcast and, yeah. and we're going to keep coming back and we're going to keep trying and hopefully, you know, we'll have Joey here with us and, yeah. and he'll either talk about relapse or he'll talk about trying to get into recovery yeah. in a safe home maybe. And we'll, we'll keep talking whether things are going well or not. It's not about look at us. We did this great job because now look, he's perfect. It's look look, this is what addiction looks like. This is life. This is what a teen looks like when they're really, really struggling and having a ton of pain. So, yeah. So wish us luck. Next two weeks are going to be a little rough, I think, but um, we'll try and all hang in there. 
make sure and share the podcast with other families that you know that have preteens or teens and find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, and on Patreon if you're interested in helping support us financially so we can remain commercial free podcasts. Patreon.com slash safe home. Stay safe.